Well, yeah, it's, if you look at what a big agency does, it's basically, they're coming in with a bunch of lies, you know, to, to wow, to wow you. Right. But if you're just honest, though, you say, listen, I'm, you see the work, you know what I can pull off, try me out for like 50 hours and see if it works. If it does great, if it doesn't, we'll move our separate ways. You always have control over that. I'm your employee effectively. And you just work for these, you know, let's say three to five different companies. You can make a really big impact on the future of those companies over, let's say, you know, even a year, but over four or five years, you can become really indispensable. If you're in design to make things, I think that model is really workable. If you're in design because you want to get rich, you're a fool. So, you know, like then go work for Apple or something, you know, like, like there's some, you're going to make more off of wages than you will consulting most likely. What does it take to live your best life on your terms to change how things are done? How do you need to show up as a leader so you feel capable of making a difference? What needs to happen that has us able to confidently say we are truly living, leading, and operating our businesses and our lives from our purpose? Join me over drinks as I go behind the scenes to reveal the freedom, fulfillment, and success this sort of radical thinking has had in the personal and professional lives of my guests. On this episode of Overdrinks, I talked to Eric Carge from the Vancouver creative agency Smash Lab. No, that's not his last name, and I really can't pronounce it very well, so Eric Carge it is. Eric is a veteran in the biz, having been working within it for the last 25 years. He's a creative at heart and loves to build things, like most of us in the business. Today, we're going to talk about his transition from an agency of 10 people to two. And no, this is not connected to the coronavirus, but... As an agency, they went from looking to double in size to laying off a bunch of people in a short amount of time. And this was not too long ago. It changed the game for them. They went from struggling to not, which is opposite of what most creative agencies experience. Not wealthy, but also not waiting for the next gig inside of that notorious feast and famine cycle. They also got their clients away from thinking about cost and what do I get and into a mindset of getting what I need when I need it. As an agency, they dropped the bullshit, the illusions and this pervasive one-upmanship of the business and have never been happier. Today's episode is brought to you by Summer Love Vodka. It pinches your cheeks like grandma would with the pucker only real fruit can do. Pour this magic over ice and enjoy. All right, ma'am. Um, so you're you're drinking something. What are you drinking right there? Uh, this is my fasting day, so I'm drinking tap water. So not 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 quite as uh, exotic as I think. You, you it looks like you have something. I, more I do have something uh, that I'm going to. Uh, I'll, I'll let you see the label. Nice, nice. Yeah. So this is a good friend of mine. Actually, he's out of Calgary, and uh, he distills vodka. Cool. Uh, but not just any vodka. So, so I'm drinking this stuff on ice. That that's mm-hmm. it. Uh, there's there's nothing else required. And he's got like three pounds of raspberry in a bottle. Oh wow! Okay. It is it is the best drink, especially on a on a warm summer day. Sure. The uh, the refreshing quality of it. I, I just uh, I love it, and I love that he's he's one of those guys who also. Uh, he was in the recruitment world, business development, recruitment. He he had done that for like 25 years and then 
said that at a certain point he's like i i think i'm done and yeah. uh and i don't want to do this anymore and now he's now he's brewing alcohol <laughs> it's it's really cool to see people go after the stuff they want to do like that and I can see that. I think making something with your hands as well is pretty appealing. I think because, you know, you and I both work in, a, you know, a fair bit in the digital sphere. It's, um, I don't know. I, I kind of, I, I was watching a guy who was building um, earth ships and I'm like, I, I could quit doing this right now and go f- do that. Like that would be really great. Uh, the challenge is, man, you need to know a lot of stuff to pull that, pull that one off. Well, and, and that's just it too, right there, there, it's not, um, it's not a simple thing to just go in and and do it's the investment of time, the expansion and the growth, like all of that's there. And, uh, and who knows where that's going to take you. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You just have no idea. It's funny. Like I, I read this about breweries. Um, you know, everyone wants to start a craft brewery, but what they don't tend to realize is that the job is principally cleaning and note-taking. Like it's 95% cleaning and note-taking and the actual brewing component is very, very small. And so like, I don't know if this is fact, this is just what I read from people who had done this, but you know, I, I don't think our work is that different. Like I, I think if you're outside of the design world, you think you get to draw shit and I don't draw that much stuff. Like most, there's a lot of email, there's a lot of checking Slack, there's a lot of, you know, those meetings and so on. But the part you think you're getting into it for isn't necessarily the part you actually end up doing once once you're in. No, sir. It's uh, it's a pleasant surprise or or a fundamental disappointment. Yeah, yeah. one or the other. Well, and that's why I, uh, I. So the conversation that we had a few weeks ago, and um, I, I love the the sporadic nature of it. I I, I really thrive in in that environment. Uh, on on the best of days, the uh, any excuse to get out of the monotony that I impose on myself or that is imposed by by nature of just what what I need to do, uh, and to have a conversation now that is unexpected and and just starts to open up areas in uh, in my own contemplation for like why you know why am I here why am I doing this stuff why are we here why are we doing this stuff. And the 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 uncertainty of it all. Your your conversation, our conversation when we had it was uh, was was really well timed and perfect. Uh, it it ended up being the ignition for this podcast series. Go figure. Cool. And awesome. uh, now I, I've ended up uh, recording a couple prior too because our ours couldn't get. Uh, set set in stone right but right. I, I just found it it with my exploration where i was at and what i was uh what i was um focusing on uh and then your conversation the way it landed and and just this this clarity that you got in in the journey that you've been going through over the, the last 25 years of, of you you doing the work that you do in the creative business and then just making the choice, you know, this decision that happened is like, you know what, fuck this shit. I'm, I'm going over and I'm going this direction. And, uh, and the result of it being, uh, that, that it, it was a really good choice for a lot of reasons. And that's, uh, so that started to set this idea of like, oh, you know, it's not me. I'm not the one who has the answers and I know I'm not the one who has the answers. I do bring people together and, and we end up having conversations that 
reveal answers. And, and then I, I was talking to my wife about it and uh, she's like, well, why don't you just do what you always do? And, and it actually didn't land right away. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean do what I always do? He's like, well, you should be having a, a, a bringing these people on and, and talking about what this was for them and, and, and what they discovered and how they ended up making their choice and do it on a podcast. And then the light bulb just went on. I'm like, wow. I don't know why it hadn't occurred to me, but that's that's the nature of the beast, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Eric Cargillado, do I did I pronounce that right? That's perfect. It's it's such a terrible name. I am willing to take any interpretation of it. Was I there. close on it? Really? You're pretty close. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it, it's it's. Uh, my parents were pretty nice about picking like Eric and Mark for their kids' names. So they had you know we have the bad one, but at least the first name is pretty workable. Yeah, at least you can uh, you can people can pronounce say acknowledge you in some way at the very absolutely least. yeah or point you know yeah. So you've been in your industry for. 25 years yeah ballpark um i started um as we started our business just about 20 years ago now i did about five years of this work um kind of in a production capacity before that but i've been doing creative work you know for a long long time um my first business in uh, my first creative business was when i was I think 14 and surprisingly that was quite profitable at the time um but so yeah so 14 that's that's oh, 32 years ago so it's, that was yeah, been it's a while getting there yeah yeah and and it's designed just so that everybody's listening this is uh, in the creative industry um graphic design visual design that that's your primary wheelhouse yeah yeah, um, like I started out in painting and then moved into design because it seemed interesting what was going on on the web in the early 2000s. Um, along the way, we kind of got pushed more into the brand end of things because there were bigger questions often that needed to be answered. So we'd get into that. Um, these days, I would say probably more than anything, we help with strategy. Um, and then the design end is kind of just the implementation. But there's still, you know, the odd job where we're just building a website. That does still happen. It's not as common, though. Yeah. Well, what is it about that industry, that, that type of work? What was the dream that you bought into all those years ago? Um. Uh, it, it's not, I don't think it was entirely singular. So it's always hard to answer this sort of thing with a, a clear answer. Um, I, I always liked making things. So um, as a kid, I would design logos for fun. I designed my own magazines for fun. I made a knockoff of mad magazine when oh, I was yeah. in like the second grade, like that. I, I always got excited about that. Um, I tried to start my own newspaper in the third grade. I tried to start a Dungeons and Dragons module company. So it like, it, it was kind of innate was wanting to make things. Um, I think by the time that um, I left painting and moved into design, a big part of it was that I was painting all day long and then working in production um, all night. And I, I thought it would be probably conducive to actually meeting women if I didn't work you know, quite that much. And I thought like, what could I do to merge these together? And I, I had kind of hit a bit of a wall with painting where, um, I was starting to sell work, but it was going to people I wasn't that excited about. So I was, um, 
I was selling big paintings to banks and things like that. And that wasn't really a big turn on. And so my friend and I really liked working together and uh, we kind of thought, why don't we start this thing up? Well, you know, the web is, we, we thought it was very interesting at that time and not that people were jumping on it. Some were, but it wasn't really mainstream kind of entire. <laughs> like that's kind of a lie because by 2000 people were on the web, but you could see there was a lot of opportunity for it to go further. And uh, they were know. just doing the basics. Yeah. Like it, it, um, it was still one of those things where if you needed to build a website, you weren't entirely sure how you would go about doing that. Like realistically it had improved a lot between in the five years prior to that. When I left art school in 95 and went to build a website, most people didn't know the difference between, between email and a website. Um, you know, the first website I built went on a floppy disk to the local computer company and they uploaded it for me. Like it really, wow. you know, that five years was pretty, pretty big. Um, so there were big agencies by 2000 and so on. But if you think about it, um, you couldn't install a content management system for less than $100,000 when we started. It was, it was still call your webmaster and ask your webmaster to change your phone number. It, it was a different time. Yeah, yeah, it's super complex. Uh, I mean, we've, we've gone leaps and bounds since then, for sure. Um, well, you know, given that and, and the fact that you, you're still playing the game and so you, you've got a, a, a rich perspective of the growth of the industry, uh, of the profession that it is to to be an effective communicator, right? Uh, at the end of the day, that's what we're doing for our clients is helping them uh, communicate what it is that they're doing. Sure. What would you say was the reality, your reality, the reality of many of your peers um, that most of, uh, of us maybe even right to this point are still not willing to address the lie you know the thing that's been perpetuated over time yeah well i think if you look at almost any business if if it's growing it it's a sign of health like that's you know it, of course um Theranos would be a good example of that not being the case, but broadly, right? Like if you run a trucking company and you, uh, you add 10 new trucks to it, that probably means that you've got a lot of business coming totally. in and so on. The, the problem with the web business or maybe the design business in general is that um, a great deal of it is project-based. So you have a lot of companies out pitching for work and they're going to get really big jobs sometimes and then they're going to go stretches with no jobs. Um, and, and staffing around that is very difficult. So um, this kind of ebb and flow of work is, is really challenging to make it through. It's really hard to manage. You, you have this kind of mix of the... Um, the peaks and valleys of design work where you have to manage staff through. And you also have this really awkward kind of cash flow challenge. Um, and so what ends up happening is that you start a company small and think we're going to add a few people and then we're going to be able to get bigger jobs and we're going to be more even with, with our cash flow and so on. And in actuality, the opposite happens. It doesn't get easier. It gets way, way harder. And so, it's funny, I've now watched companies of 50 or 70 people in this space that look, that are really good companies effectively implode because the cash flow doesn't quite work out or the founders just pop because they realize it's just too much pressure. Um, 
this is a business where, in my opinion, you're crazy to want to grow it. The only reason to grow it is that you're ridiculously good at sales and ridiculously good at project management. If you actually like making things, every staff member you add to your team is just going to make you infinitely more crazy in trying to um, manage the interaction between all of those parties. And doing less of the making of stuff. Totally. Yeah. If you're, if you run a successful studio of over two people, maybe four people, the vast bulk of your time will go into job management, interacting with clients, um, uh, conveying information from the meeting to someone who's working on the project. It, it's, um, it, it really is a project management role and a sales role more than ever a creative role um, as, as the company grows. So what, what would you say then? Um, and, and when I look, when I think back about the conversation that we had before, there was this, uh, this interesting paradox of the impression and we are in the business of making impressions, making strong first impressions. Um, and uh, the reality being most of it was bullshit. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's a really weird business where um, it's a big illusion effectively because most most of us are really frightened to say when things aren't working out. And if it isn't, there's that worry that if you acknowledge that, let's say business is slow, um, we, my business partner, I call it the smell of death. If you walk into a studio and it's not, the desks aren't all bustling. It's like, who are these guys legit? Like, are they going to be solid? So um, I think a lot of people to, to stave off that kind of um, perception that they might, might be weak in some way, They'll redesign their website. They'll uh, talk about some great work they're doing. They'll they'll talk about awards. They'll they'll boast about things, and and I don't think it's out of a bad place. It's very much, you know, it, it's not meant to be malicious or anything or misrepresent misrepresentative. I think a lot of it is like if we don't put a solid face forward, we're going to actually risk our company. It's, it's effectively what we see on Instagram now with teenagers, um, you know, or with millennials or what have you. People are presenting lives they don't live out of fear that they will lose something. But the reality is the whole thing is bullshit. It's all an illusion. So that big agency you walk into with the slide in the, you know, like with, with the slide in the playground in the lobby and, you know, all the exciting work and the foosball table and all of this, it's all a big pile of bullshit made to look like everything's great, everything's fun, we've got all the ideas. And in actuality, a lot of these companies are struggling just the same way that a one-person company is, but with a much higher stress level. Yeah, much higher stress level, uh, so much more on the line, more, more people on the line. Uh, the, totally. the impact, the ripple effect is, is so... Like it's been magnified so much and, um, but you, and, and I was guilty of this as well. And I was only running a small little shop, right? Me and my wife and, and at, at, at our peak, we had three others, uh, working with us. 
Um, and even at that point, it was the, the, the stuff that wasn't working is like, okay, yeah, but don't worry about that. Just keep moving forward. Keep pushing forward. It's going to figure itself out. We're going to get what we need to get in. And then when we get to that point, it's like, well, fuck, we don't actually have what we need to, to keep it going. And then you, you, you lie to yourself again and you, uh, you, you, you try and push through some more and then three years go by and, and nothing's truly uh, made a significant change in that you could actually uh, slow down a little bit and, um, yeah. and kind of get your bearings and, and, and then look at like, what, well, what is it that we're moving towards? You, any measure of clarity in that space is gone. It doesn't exist. Yeah. You're, you're not afforded any opportunity to do that. And so you're just caught in this uh, this rat wheel of uh, of just uh, next project, next project, next project. Mm -hmm. uh, and man, that that burnt the shit out of me. Um, and and I know it, it, you had a, a quite a revelatory um, experience. What would you say is the thing that just had to change from your perspective? Because you were also and maybe you could share a little bit, whatever you're willing to share, about your own experience of, of being caught in that, that machine, you know, just, just constantly sure. going through the motions and, and not really making any significant headway on any front. Well, it was tough because, like, I think in some respects we did make headway, which is what makes it so confusing when you're going through this. We had grown the studio up to a certain point. We had about... 10 of us in total. Um, we were winning some awards, which I, I now kind of think are ridiculous. But at the time, it seemed like an indication we were doing well. Um, we had some good press, like all, all the all that stuff was 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 fine. Um, and, and it wasn't like clients were dissatisfied with the work or anything. We were landing projects. It was just that it was, um, I was unhappy most of the time and very stressed out. And um, you know, really, I, I felt probably 30 years older than I feel now. Like it was having a physical impact where, where my body slouched. I was, I was in poor health. I was drinking a lot more at night because I'd work a really long day, come home and just need to decompress. And, and that's a really fast way to decompress. I wasn't exercising. I wasn't eating very well. Um, it, it, it just felt, um, I guess it was one of those things where um, I couldn't see how, even with all these positive things that seemed to be happening, where we were ever going to get it in balance. And I can't tell you how many times we'd sit on a Thursday morning going like, um, tomorrow's payday, how, how are we going to make this happen? Um, you know, and, and sometimes this was with 100,000 in receivables that, that just hadn't arrived. And like, I think that's common in any business, if any you know, you just don't have money arriving at the right time. But, um, you know, there, there are only so many of those days, like, like we never went, um, we, we never went without paying anyone, but there were far too many of those mornings that were really, really stressful. So, um, like ultimately what happened for us is we went into a year that looked like our busiest year on record. Um, we had, we had effectively secured 1.3 million in new work. It wasn't signed, but it was darn close. Um, 
you know, effectively at that kind of handshake kind of deal, you know, like we're, we're there kind of thing. And we were thinking, okay, we have to scale up to 20 people given the work we did last year, plus this new work, plus any other work that could come. And both of those projects due to internal politics just were taken off the table entirely. And so now we went in and it was kind of slow and we, we managed to keep our staff on for quite a while doing internal projects and so now, on. And, and to be absolutely clear, so the 1.3 million that was pretty much in the bag wasn't anymore. Gone. Yeah. Gone. Exactly. So, and like we, we always knew, like there, there's always a chance, like it, it could have, like you, you know how this is, like things look good, they can go away. It wasn't like we had our whole future banked on that, but it certainly was a bit of a fork in the road. And um, so we went to stretch and we we just had to run some layoffs after a while. It just, it was a slow season going in. And that was, that was really hard. Um, I always felt this, um, I felt a responsibility um, for the people we had hired. And um, I think probably too much so. I, I think in a way it made me a really crummy person to be around because I'd be the guy going, listen, you got to hustle, you got to hustle. And I wasn't trying to squeeze blood from a stone. I was kind of going, you know, if, if this we is don't your get livelihood. this job, yeah, like, like if, if this job that I, like, let's say I have three hours assigned for this job to the client and it takes you 10 hours to do it, I'm actually losing money. And that means when it gets tight, I'm not going to be able to pull this off. So I became a nag. And I think people really didn't like that. And you know, if I would have just been more relaxed about it, said, hey, like, you know, it's, you got to take a couple of weeks off. It probably would have been better. But anyways, we finally got to a point where our, our, we were really pushed into this. We're like, we, we don't know what the next job is. It's been a slow stretch. And um, we had to lay some folks off. Um, that went over a few months. And, and a lot of them moved on to other things in that time. And what we found was really strange. This is now six years ago, was that we were kind of not that stressed out anymore. And we kind of came in and had time to work on our own stuff a bit more. And we weren't so quick to snap at things and so on. And, you know, we kind of kept going at that rate with just the two of us in this like oversized office space in Gastown. Um, And all of a sudden, all of our debts were paid out. There was money in the bank. We weren't freaking out. We could say no to jobs that we weren't interested in. We started going like, why don't we just leave it like this? Like, couldn't we just just do what we started doing, which is two guys making stuff they like making and just skip all the other bullshit. And we've effectively done that. And like, I'm not saying it's not roses. Like I, yesterday was a hard day for me. I, I wasn't sure if I was doing the right thing. Like, it's not like this is, everything is awesome. But I can tell you that I think it's a fool's errand to go and build a design studio. And I would personally never do that again. Um, if someone wants to do it good for them and if they can pull it off, great. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people who've come to the same realization that we've come to, which is if I like making stuff and working with clients, maybe I should do that and not try to pawn that work off on someone else. Right. Well, and I, I'm, and I mentioned this in the last call, I remember and I was super green when, when we first met and that's uh, shit that's coming up to like 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and your probably the, some of the first words out of your mouth was whatever you do, do not start a studio. 
an agency. Don't go there. It's not worth your time. Run the other direction. Meanwhile, I'm like, what do you know? I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to do it my way. It'll be different. Like all of that rhetoric, not to dismiss it because that's really where, uh, where we shift and change, you know, the world's biggest problems is, is coming from that mindset. But, um, I say that for those that are listening to, to really, and, and especially if you're playing in the creative industry to really pay attention to and, and get reconnected to why you're doing this work. So um, Eric's not saying, and, and I'm not saying, don't don't get into the business, but but get into the business for the right reasons, and stay true to those reasons. And if it is uh, the the creation, the craft of of creating something from nothing, which is a superpower, truly, um, well then focus on that, and and but don't get into the minutia of of all the extra stuff that just takes you completely away from that thing that that just lights you up that that at the at the time lit me up i was i was excited about the idea of um of creating and i i don't i shouldn't say i don't create anymore i do create it's uh it's much more selective i'm uh, i have to say i'm i'm a bit more cynical and and critical about uh about what i create and and why i create it which is unfortunate in some regard and just whatever it is, it is what it is, uh, right? Uh, it, it was the journey to get from, I actually, now when, when I do, when I facilitate and, and uh, do presentations, I set myself up as a recovering marketer uh, because there, there is this, uh, this fallacy, this idea that uh, we just need to give it a nice polish don't worry about the inner mechanics. Yeah, no, it's not working very well. It's okay. It's not important. Just give that pig a nice, you know, a fresh coat of lipstick and you're good to go. And, uh, and I had done that for a while uh, before I started to, to want to help organizations figure out, you know, what, what's actually driving this thing that you say you want to create. And then it constantly being X'd, right? Kibosh and like, well, man, why, why am I doing this stuff? It's ridiculous. I'm, uh, I'm not creating for the right reasons anymore. Um, and it's unfortunate, but, but part of the game, right? And, and I think this is the, the realization that you can only ever get when you're in it, when, when you've done it and you've experienced it and you're like, oh shit, yeah, no, that's definitely not what I wanted. I had no idea but that's what's what this was going to turn into. Right. Yeah. It, it's a funny one where I think a big, if, if you look um, even beyond our um, experience from, from the designers end of it or the design studios end of it is if you look at what you were just talking about with how this work gets implemented later. So the, the, the current model for hire for hiring a studio or agency typically is, you're going to put out an RFP or you'll meet it with a few companies. You have a set set of deliverables and um, those are going to be produced. And then there's going to be some kind of change because of it. But I can name very few situations um, in which I've seen a website redesign actually change the fortunes of a company. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't happen. Like, and so, but, but that doesn't mean that design doesn't matter. Like that, organizations need to true up how they present themselves like that. They need to know like, okay, so we kind of knew why we started, but now we have these pieces that don't all look right and they don't all fit. 
and, and we need to kind of bring these together. And if that's done appropriately, it can really improve and clarify a presentation. And that's effectively what our customers want. Our clients want to put their stuff out and have people understand what it is and and know what they're going to get out of that experience. Like everything has to be harmonized so it, it's all clear. And so design is fundamentally incredibly important, but it is not a paint job where you apply it once and you walk away. And in a model where you are doing everything where you define the scope of the job before you know what the problem is and have a fixed cost on it just doesn't work. So again, we kind of stripped that whole thing away and and just started saying to people, listen, don't hire us for a job. Hire me as your outsourced creative director. I'm going to come in and you'll buy a block of time. So we don't have to, I'll I'll just work off the time that's kind of coming. Um, That'll make you mindful about what you're asking for. It'll make me mindful about, um, you know, how much everything is costing you and whether that's a good value. Like, do we really want to spend eight hours on email signatures? Is that really going to move the needle for you? Um, and so now I'm your employee effectively, but you don't have to pay for my desk. You don't have to pay for my, my health insurance or any of that. And I'm available to you on tap. When you need me, I'm there. When you don't, I'm gone. And what we found when we did that is Now I didn't need to pursue work the same way because I'm not cycling through clients every few months. I have a long-term relationship, but for them as well, they can see when we're making decisions, how those are um, improving things over time. And and then they can start to appreciate the value that they're getting from it or recognize where they're not getting value and remove that part of the engagement. So like, Again, I'm not proposing people shouldn't go into design or that design isn't valuable. I'm saying like, maybe we can rethink this where we go, listen, I like doing this work and I want to do more of it without having to pitch for it that much because the pitching part is just sucks. Really? Yeah. It, it, it's and that's I, I part of the bullshit it. that doesn't work. Well, yeah, it, it's. If you look at what a big agency does, it's basically they're coming in with a bunch of lies, you know, to to wow to wow you, right? But if you're just honest, oh, you say, listen, I, I'm you see the work, you know what I can pull off. Try me out for like 50 hours and see if it works. If it does, great. If it doesn't, we'll move our separate ways. You always have control over that. I'm your employee effectively. And you just work for these, you know, let's say three to five different companies you can make a really big impact on the future of those companies over, let's say, you know, even a year, but over four or five years, you can become really indispensable. If you're in design to make things, I think that model is really workable. If you're in design because you want to get rich, you're a fool. So, you know, like go, then go work for Apple or something, you know, like, like there's some, you're going to make more off of wages than you will consulting most likely. Words are words are really cheap. Um, I can write a strategic plan, um, or I can start. I can collect a plan in the form of words very easily and inexpensively in the grand scheme of things. Um, conversely, building out, let's say, a fully functional app is is a non-trivial amount of work. And so, before jumping into what what into just building something, I think the big question is what are we actually trying to do here? And, and quite often, quite often it's not the thing that you think you're starting out with. Like um, I had this funny thing the other day where I, I like to ski, but I wear glasses and it was snowing badly. And so I, I've tried 
every way to solve this problem of I want to have good vision while skiing and not have fog. Seems pretty, impor and pretty important. Yeah, seeing helps, right? Um, so I, I, I went out and I, I've, I've now... I've researched getting contact lenses. I bought goggles that are really fancy with like a fan built in them. So they'll like move air. I've done all these things. And then one day I went like, well, you can't see out of your goggles anyways. So what if you just took off your glasses? Because this is the problem is the, the, the glasses are fogging within the goggles, right? Right. And this took me like three years to figure out I could just take off my glasses. That's all I had to do in order to see clear. And now everything's fuzzy but it's evenly fuzzy where before I was looking through this layer of fog and I was looking for technology to solve something that common sense could have. So yeah, like I ski and I, I can kind of see broad shapes. It's pretty good. But before I couldn't see anything at all with these two layers of glass that I was. How fighting. long did you uh, tolerate that? Oh, years. Yeah. It, it's I've, I've, I've tried different sprays, you know, like I've done all kinds of things to try to get around this. And, and again, like, I think this is where designers can afford value is they've got to stop thinking that they build assets. They've got to stop worrying about logos or about um, selling you an app and this is the price and all of that, like all of that shit has to go away. And what they have to do is come in and go like, what is the most elegant way to fix this problem? And designers love big problems, right? They like, um, they love things they can put in their case study, but realistically, some of the problems you solve might be as simple as like, we're going to help you name your products consistently, or we're going to, um, I don't I, I have one group that I work with where we've just um, implemented a, a spreadsheet that looks at financials on a daily basis, just to make a habit of tracking metrics. Um, I don't think that the solution needs to be a visual one. It just needs to be a matter of helping people figure out how to, remove obstacles that they're maybe a little too close to, to see clearly like that, that objectivity, that you, you get to leverage that objectivity because you're coming at it from a fresh perspective. Totally. The, yeah. and, and actually I, I wanted to point to something. I, I actually believe this, this idea that designers want to solve big problems is also inauthentic and full of bullshit. Uh, because we've never really solved a big problem. We don't know what that actually means. Um, and so how could we, uh, how, how could we de determine or, or gauge what, what is a big problem? Because maybe mm -hmm. that small little tweak is the big solution that makes the biggest difference for the organization moving forward. But yep. we miss out on those opportunities because we've also been fed a line that we we got to solve big problems, but we actually don't know what big problems mean. We, it's subjective, right? It, totally. a, a small problem for you is a big problem for me. Um, but in, unless we are uh, willing to to look at it, listen to it from from the place of of just being of service, like how can I? can I help here? Is there anything that I can do that would make a difference? And then that big problem is, uh, might just be a small problem, but uh, was uh, significant in, in their world. So I just want to throw that in there as a caveat. Yeah. Like I, I think what you're referring to is what I kind of, I would blame IDEO for. IDEO has, you know, built a wonderful mythology around how they're just these amazingly brilliant people. And, and I'm sure many of them are. 
Well, let's remember that the primary job of any studio or agency is principally to ensure that there is work coming in the door and that they can pay their staff. And part of that is to build a legacy and a mythology around the organization. And it's a great marketing device, but there is, I think it's a little bit phony and it's a little grandiose. And I I, I think, you know, there are very few other industries that take themselves as ridiculously seriously as designers do. Like we, we, we take like anything that fucks up is the client's problem and anything that succeeds on the client's behalf, we claim full credit. For. That was our brilliance. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. But you know, the implementation is what they fucked up and that now that's, that's, that's their problem. That's not on us. But again, like it's just to kind of put what we're doing into perspective. Like we're, we're helping people edit their presentation. We're helping with pretty nuts and bolts kinds of things. And it's, these are non-trivial in spite of the fact that they're not world-changing. Like, they, they are important, but we don't have to be such, um, we don't have to be so big-headed about it and, and treat ourselves like heroes. We're just workers, and we're just helping people fix some stuff. And that's enough. We, we don't, we're, we're not, we are not curing cancer. We know that. Um but yeah, if we if we come up with some simple solution that helps an organization do its work a little better or with a little less friction, that that's there's value in that. Hands down, and you you point to something really really great. Uh, so there's a humility there. There not to discredit the the work that's required because the the work of being uh, of a designer uh, and and to design something really takes something to to create something from nothing is is no easy feat uh and let alone to iterate on something that already exists to elevate and, and improve on uh i mean it really does take uh an, an insane amount of uh focus and and observation and and there's these talents these muscles that we build that are innate uh and and that are just natural uh, that we discount as as designers and creatives, and so I, I don't want to make I, I don't want to dismiss that, but I also want to make sure we 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 knock down a few pedestals. What what the perception of of the of the masterful practice that is design, just just how full of crap you are, uh, because at the end of the day, you're you're actually coming at it from the wrong place. Now I, I want to ask, uh, and I want to dig in just a little bit uh, around. So there was a realization of, uh, of where you were at and what you were doing and how you were doing it and what wasn't working. And, and then, and then you, you had your aha moment. It's like, oh man, you know, we could just keep doing it this way and, and, uh, and it would probably work really well. What would you say the results have been as a, uh, as a fact of, of now just, yeah, deciding we're going to go this way and, and fuck what the expectations of agency is, we're just going to do this because it works. What, what would you say has been the result of that? For our clients, it's been that we're more dependable partners because we're not worried about um, making a beautiful portfolio. So we don't even have a portfolio on our web, on our website and we never will. Um, that, that means we're not splitting our focus. Like I'm not trying to impress an awards jury nor my peers. It's just whatever works for you is what I want to build. Um, personally, you know, with my family, it means that I've been able to walk my kids to school uh, for the past, you know, what is that now? Like 
six years, uh, five, six years every day. I've, I've been present for holidays and birthdays. I'm here to help with homework. Um, and, and that that's huge. Like I would, for that alone, I would never go to the other way that we did it. Um, in terms of balance and health, um, I'm, I'm healthier. I'm in better physical condition than I've been probably since I was, you know, a teenager. So, you know, like in terms of being able to find time to get out for a run every morning and to go downstairs and make a decent lunch and not be stressed out. Um, I, I make better decisions for myself and for the people I'm helping. Uh, and it also gives us a lot of time to, to build our own products. Um, you know, really just not having an office space means that like that's $50,000 that I don't have to earn. Uh, $50,000 is, is to us a fair bit of money. I'm, I'm pretty glad to have that to put into our own staff, you know, to anybody. I mean, holy shit, $50,000. What's possible if you have that type of, um, access to capital, whether it's intellectual or or money or whatever i mean what can you do with it and, and you said it perfectly he's like we can we can build the things that we've always wanted to build and we've never had the opportunity to do so before and i know a lot of creatives have these things right we've got these uh, I, myself uh, one of the things that i want to create is um a, a men's retreat i'm calling it superpower camp and there is no possible way that I could ever commit to doing something like that. It would only ever be a really great idea if the, the space for me to actually achieve it is never available. Uh, or I'm, I'm constantly uh, uh, obligated to, to fill it with something else because I got all these other things that I got to take care of that, I've, that, I have, that I have to honor, right? So now you get to, uh, and I know you, you've, um, in particular, you have a, uh, a propensity for creating things, just constantly creating things, these ideas. And, and now you've got leeway, you've got runway to, to be able to execute on that kind of stuff. What's that done for you as a result to be able to execute on some of these things? Not that you haven't before, but now you're able to do it with more, more velocity, more, more uh, mm. focus, right? It, it, it's still a struggle. Um, you, you know, again, like I think this could, you could easily frame this as like a all was bad before and all is good now. Like it, it's not that um, we, we have lots of things we're fighting with. Um, I think that one of the things that has improved as we've been able to build things is that we're, we're better at building things for other people because we know how we would look upon it if we were building it for ourselves. So for example, I know that if you're building an, an app, you probably aren't thinking enough about um, how the email um, kind of re-engagement part of that is going to work. Like how are notifications going to work from your system? How are you going to get people back into it? Um, how are you going to get past spam filters? Like all of these sorts of things, because I've worried about those things. So there's that, I think I'm just a better designer because I have my own, my own skin in the game. Um, but the other part is that as, and, and I really don't recommend the approach of a services slash product company mix. It's really hard to do both. Um, what has worked for us is that as some of our products have started making some more ongoing revenue, it reduces the amount of time that we have to bill. So 
in effect, we're kind of buying our own time that way to work on things. And that, that's nice. But that's, again, I, I'm not sure that that model is a really smart one. It, it's pretty hard to make work. And it really uh, extends the amount of time you have to put in to, to really be, you're, you're bouncing between worlds a little bit. And it, it's not, I don't recommend it, but that's how our kind of setup has worked out. Fair. Um, so if you look at now the journey to date from where you were to where you're at, knowing uh, very clearly that the, what it is that, that you are really excited to do and, and what uh, fulfills you in, in a lot of ways, um, would you say that you are, uh, you feel like you have a stronger sense of meaning and purpose in, in now the, the shift and pivot that's happened as a result of, of realizing what's not working? Where, where are you in, in that? Um, I, I think purpose is really difficult. I, I, I think we, we'd all like it to be singular and, and some people can be like that. I I'm not that singular. So I, I have a lot of different things that I, that are kind of important to me. And I don't know that one is, is greater than the rest and, and, and they change with time too, right? Well, that's fair actually. And, and so let me, let me caveat that uh, slightly given your realization of what was working what wasn't working and now what is working better not perfectly but working better has that supported you in doing the things that you find more purpose and meaning well certainly i, I think just the fact that i'm i'm closer to the projects that i want to work on that in and of itself is something that i couldn't do when when we were a, a larger organization um I think for me, a big part has been to try to, my son and I were talking about this the other day, that I think the thing that I do is um, work to find clarity. And I'm always looking for a clearer answer to things. And that's, that's on, uh, um, when I'm looking at political questions, when I'm looking at personal challenges, um, when I'm looking at how to structure my day or how to present a company, it's always how do I clarify things? And, and I guess what I see that has worked through, through this process is that by removing a whole bunch of things that were meant to impress other people and instead, and, and again, not, not out of vanity, but more just to try to build a successful business. I thought that we had to do that to build a successful business. Leaving all of that aside and just focusing on the work itself and on who it serves I find much more fulfillment in that. It's not pretending, it's real. And I think I, I don't want to pretend. I don't want to lie to people or exaggerate. Um, means I, as you can tell right now, I carry on for too long, but but I, I wanna I wanna be clear about what we're doing. And, and I think this setup works for me like that. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. It totally did. Yeah, okay. hands down. Absolutely. Um, I love how you use clarity because it's inside of the, the journey, and, and this is it, this is the reality. You have to go through the stuff that, uh, that you thought you wanted and then realized you didn't in order to be clear about what it is that you do want, or, or at least have a better speculation around it, right? And then you go that way and you're like, yes or no. So that, that journey is always full of uh, opportunities for more clarity and, uh, and direction, right? What's funny, I, I spoke with one of our clients about this the other day. We were 
looking at an email marketing approach we had used for a number of years and we we've decided to probably abandon it go a different route and i said you know we should look upon this a little bit like a baby seat like when when my kids were you know 2 years old and they were in the car they needed a baby seat and once they were i don't know i can't even remember now any longer 6 years old 7 years old they 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 went to a booster they didn't need the baby seat any longer and it's not that the baby seat was a waste of time. It's just that we had outgrown it and we had to go through that. And the same for this email marketing approach that our, our client was using, it got them to where they're at now. And so we, we didn't need to deride what that was. It's because it worked, it got us to this point of being able to do the next thing. And I think we, we, I know I, I'm, myself, I tend to look at everything I've done in the past and go, oh, like that was so stupid. Why did I do that? And it's like, well, I couldn't have gotten to this. I couldn't have arrived at this position without having muddled around. So that muddling, it, you'd love to kind of cut it out and just go directly to the like the end, but it doesn't work that way, right? No, it doesn't at all. Um, so I, you kind of already answered it, but maybe there's a little bit more to elaborate on it. But what would you say to those who are on the journey, much like we've been on the journey, what what sort of advice, what, what sort of recommendation would you give to them knowing what you know now? I would say that you already have the answers to most of the things that are puzzling you. And if you stop looking externally for those answers and just be honest and as simple as you can be with, with the answers, those are probably the right ones. So, um, you know... F- there's often that thing of like, well, well, you know, how do we get more business? How, how do we, how do we grow the company? This sort of thing. And maybe instead of looking externally for like some tactic, like an SEO campaign or, uh, or ads or conferences or any of that, maybe you need to take your client out for lunch and ask what they're struggling with and, and like what headaches are you having? And then look at fixing those headaches for them. There is a, there is our best intentions and our wild goose chases, right? That we experience, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that leaves us now with a sense of, uh, well, a lack of clarity, a a Mm -hmm. lack of direction, um, a confusion and, and, uh, and, uh, just a desperation almost now at that point, it's like, oh my God, I don't know what to do anymore. So, sure. Uh, so in being of service to our clients to, instead of trying to over, and I talk about this often, get out of the overly strategized, the overly tactified, uh, ways of being. And, uh, and to your point, why don't you just go take your client for lunch, be with another human being who you are, who you've already said that you're in the service of, of supporting and see how else you can support them. Yeah. I mean, there's a simplicity to it, right? Uh, Absolutely. We, we as creatives, and I digress, really, human beings in general, uh, but in gr- creatives in particular, because we've got a, an extra uh, backpack that we put on top of our shoulders, we complicate the shit out of things, right? Totally. And, and we have it that it's got to be, it's got to look a certain way, it's got to smell a certain way, it's got to have all of this nuance and and we've lost the essence of what really makes the difference and there's the purity of it, right? The intention to to just solve a problem uh, and uh, from my perspective, just be with with uh, another human being 
uh, without a an agenda and just who knows maybe you can help them maybe you can't but it doesn't matter just do more of that type of work mm -hmm. yeah it, it's funny like it, it is a spot where you see people come up with well what, what do designers do when they don't have enough work they spend three months rebuilding their website and i've i've met i had one client who had spent i think probably the organization had spent over the years, probably it was several hundred thousand dollars um, working with us. And uh, in a conversation, she said, well, do you guys do any of that brand stuff? And I said, yeah, like our, our website's covered in it. Haven't, haven't you looked at our website? She said, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I realized it, it, it doesn't matter. Like that you're, it's a, it it's a vanity that, metric. It's an ego stroke. Well, totally. And it's not, I'm not saying abandon your website. I think having a current website with showing a sign of life is very important. And I do think that people come and peruse your work and so on. But essentially what you're looking at is a very simple exchange. There are a group of people out there who need things done and you can do those things. All you need to do is get them on board to try you out for a few hours and see if they're happy with the results and make it very low friction. Explain to them that if they're unhappy with anything you've done, they can fire you at any time. They can take the, the files that you've prepped for them and they can use them as they would like. You know, Don't trap them in. Give them all those options and be of service. And if you do that, you, you generally don't have to bother with a lot of the stuff that that is, is far more time consuming and often not nearly as, as effective. Man, that, that was, that was really great, simple feedback. There is, there is something so elegant about that and would free up so many people of the burden of having to have all this stuff on it, but to what end mm. at the end of the day, if, if it's not really, um, providing clear value and a, and a direction for a client to, to go through and, and take and, and explore, who you are like to test you out as you said mm -hmm. then um it might not be necessary right and uh, so yeah. just let that go yeah it's it's funny it's I, if you part of it is knowing what the purpose of what you're doing is um like and i don't mean the broad purpose i mean like the the i have a fork so that it will bring food to my mouth like the purpose of the fork is very clear um you know, it's really easy when you're building these things to try to impress your peers. Like designers love to have other designers say, hey, nice stuff. But the reality is like a lot, of, you could build the most beautiful, you know, um, thoughtful, well-structured design and still have it not perform in the marketplace. Like it's not a lock. And I think generally, I think you see this a lot around things like the, um, um, I don't know, flea market. If you organized everything in a flea market, it wouldn't be as much fun any longer. Like part of the flea market is the discovery and the mess. Yeah, there's a beauty in the chaos. Yeah, totally, man. What a great metaphor. Yeah, so it, it's it's strange. Like we, we think that if we make things a certain way, then everyone's going to be happy. And if our peers are happy, um, it's, it's all going to be great. But the reality is there are a lot of people who are doing pretty bland, pretty kind of from a, from a critical standpoint, pretty shitty design who are making a totally fine living and are happy enough. And so really th th this obsession with, um, I'm going to impress my friends and make the best design on earth. It really doesn't matter that much. You, you want to make sure that your client is getting what they feel they're getting good value out of. Yeah, totally. Well said, well said. Um, well that, that was it, my friends, uh, cool. for the podcast. So thank you so much for 
uh, doing it again a second time and no uh, and got a, a deeper a deeper dive out of it, uh, which I suspect was going to be the case. So I really thank you for making the time for that. The right leadership changes everything. And for our next generation of game changers striving to achieve what has yet to be achieved, you must be willing to do what has never been done. So make ripples, lead the charge, create cool shit that shows others the way to be braver, brighter, and better than we were yesterday. Personally, you owe it to yourself. The more we come together more intentionally to support one another, the sooner we'll all find ourselves not just living, but contributing to the creation of the vibrant, connected communities that fuel dreams. It takes a certain leader to make this happen. So who comes to mind that you would like to hear from? Please let me know, and I'll see what I can do to make it happen. Thanks so much for listening.